back to Franklin Covey's On Leadership podcast series. I'm Scott Miller, your ongoing host and interviewer. I'm also the author of the new number one Amazon release, Master Mentors, 30 Transformative Insights from Your Greatest Minds, published by HarperCollins, based on our On Leadership podcast. I, in collaboration with Franklin Covey, curated with permission from 30 guests, wrote a book about a transformational insight they shared on or around our podcast. It's an easy, breezy read. I kind of call it chicken soup for the leadership soul. And it's out now available both in digital audio, print, and soon video format from Lit Video. Pick up a copy and Master Mentors Volume 2 featuring 30 new mentors and 30 new insights is coming out in October of 2022. Today, our guest is Alex Sanfilippo. He is the co-founder and chief innovator behind a business called Podmatch. You heard that right, Podmatch. I kind of call it the dating site for podcast host and guest. He is, in my opinion, the world's foremost authority on all things podcasting, including the host of his own podcast and the director and producer and collaborator on hundreds of other podcasts that come through Podmatch. Today, if you are interested in hosting a podcast, producing a podcast, being involved in launching a podcast, being a guest on a podcast, your organization has a thought leadership strategy like Franklin Covey does, you're going to learn a treasure trove of insights from Alex Sanfilippo, who's joining us today from his home in Jacksonville, Florida. Alex, welcome to On Leadership. Scott, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely an honor to be here, and thank you for that really kind introduction. That is a sick microphone. So we're going to learn a lot about all things technical, non-technical. Alex, I've been privileged to be a guest on the podcast that you host. You are now a guest, finally, on the On Leadership podcast, because I think, although there's probably lots of misinformation out there, podcast growth continues to be exponential. And every organization, whether they're small or large, whether they're a mom and pop, you know, used car sales business, or they're a global pharmaceutical company, or anything in between, they have a thought leadership strategy. It might be writing columns, it might be articles, it could be webcasting, it could be having a podcast. So today we're going to talk about everything you and I know in terms of the podcasting world. Would you take a few moments and talk about your transition as a corporate leader to an entrepreneur within the last year? And uh, maybe talk a bit about what is Podmatch, and then we'll get into some of the, the more grittier stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks again for the platform. I should mention, first off, I basically became a name in podcasting because I've had Scott Miller on my podcast twice. Oh, so there's, there's my, there's my claim uh, to fame, right? That's, that's go why on. I've got go the name. <laughs> <laughs> so I, as you mentioned, I actually did 15 years in the aerospace industry, and I have to give a disclaimer every time I say that. I was not an astronaut, I was not a fighter pilot, and I've actually never been skydiving. I actually worked behind a computer. We were actually a manufacturer of parts, and I did that for, again, about 15 years. I worked myself uh, my way all the way up to this, the executive level toward the end of my career there. Really enjoyed the time. There was bittersweet the day I left, but when I kind of realized that I, I think I wanted a different path in life, I actually think back to a recent episode when you had uh, Dave Hollis on that just share like, how he got out of corporate. I had a similar thing. It just felt like it was something purpose-driven, calling, and I wasn't sure what it was, but I'll tell you what, I sure enjoyed podcasts, and I wanted to learn more about maybe becoming an entrepreneur. So in my lightning-fast mind, I decided to start a show where I interviewed successful entrepreneurs to find out what they did and how they actually transitioned out of a 9-to-5 traditional job like I wanted to. And ultimately, fast forward, that led me to a lot of success in podcasting, and I was actually able to leave my, my 15-year career in aerospace and become a full-time podcaster and then eventually offer like a service to podcasters as well, which is Podmatch, as you said. And so that's really what I'm focused on today. Yes, I'm a show host. 
but I'm also the, the founder of Podmatch, which, as you said, it's a service that connects podcast guests and hosts together for interviews. It works very similar to how like an online dating type app would work. Basically, it's looking at, hey, here's what you talk about. You talk about leadership. You talk about uh, marketing. You talk about branding. And here's a podcast. It's looking for guests that can talk about that. And it kind of matches you two together. And you can have all the conversation right there on the platform. Alex, let's dive into the world of podcasting. And you've got some statistics at your hands today. So if our viewers that are watching see you reference your document, that's because you are you're, you're an aerospace expert. You don't guess, right? I mean, your whole life is based <laughs> on getting it right. So I like the fact that you have notes. So we'll give you permission to, re- to uh, reference them whenever you need to. Uh, broad brush. Let's talk about what's true and not true about podcasting right now. Like how many podcasts are there? What is the growth rate? Perhaps how soon do they fail? What is the pivot point of when you actually might hit an inflection? Just generally, let's level set. What is the truth about the podcasting world right now? Yeah, I'm glad that we're talking about this because there's a, there is a lot of in, misinformation out there about where podcasting is at. And to be fully transparent, and I think everyone needs to admit this at this point, when COVID began, the entire landscape of podcasting changed. We initially, and you probably saw this as well, Scott, you saw a little bit of a dip in the amount of people that were listening on a monthly basis. And maybe not. Maybe on leadership didn't Actually, experience Actually, can I that. tell you, the, 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 uh, the converse happened. Ours kind of hit an inflection point. I'm not sure we were a drive-time podcast, but, but I totally understand why they would have dipped. Well, so all of my listeners came over to listen to Scott instead is what happened. But um, many of us, the the industry in general saw about a 20% dip just initially. And that's because a lot of people started listening to the news podcast or health podcast. People jumped on that trying to figure out how do I stay alive basically during this time for lack of a better uh, term there. And that that wasn't long lived. And then we saw this spike just come right back up. So it was just a couple months. And when that spike happened, a lot of people created shows. There was something like almost 300,000 shows made in just two to two and a half months that we saw happen. Now, to bring it up to today where we're at, so I say all that to say that the, the 16-year history we have in podcasting, those stats have really changed in the last year and a half to two years at this point. And as we move into year three, we'll see some, even some more things start to change. But right now, as it stands, there's technically 2.4 million podcasts, uh, give or take, obviously, on Apple Podcasts, and Spotify is just about the same, maybe has just a few more than Apple does right now. Uh, most of the listenership is still on Apple, though. And uh, out of those 2.4 million, there's 60 million shows. So there's like actual episodes. Sorry, there's 60 million episodes. Now, what I find interesting, though, Scott, you know this, like not all those are active shows, because you've probably heard this as well. Oh, I don't want to get into podcasting because it's kind of saturated now. But you and I both know that not all those people are actually producing shows. I'm sure you've been on some shows that have even since shut down as a guest. Am I right in saying that? Well, I, that would be horrifying. Not me, of course, but perhaps someone else. <laughs> I'm right, sure. Okay. I'm sure that's the case. <laughs> so when I actually did some deep dive on this, I'm, I'm going to look at my, my notes here, and I'm sorry, I just want to make sure I get these numbers right. Like you said, aerospace background. You can't miss a calculation or something falls out of the sky. Um, so i got to make sure I get this stuff right. And I'm going to use some even numbers here. But I wanted to see how many shows were actually active. So I looked at how many weekly shows are there. So basically, I I looked at all the analytics, and I pulled this information from a lot of different places. I mean, I use Convince and Convert, Edison Research, Buzzsprout, Statistica, all these different websites that really pull this data and find what was, to to me, considered to be the most true data that we'll find. And when I looked at that, I want to see how many weekly shows were there. So basically, I looked at shows that have posted within the last eight days, and I found that there was only 9% of the 2.9, or sorry, the 2.4 million. So that means 220,000 shows have posted in the last week. So that's how many, in my mind, active weekly shows there are right now. 
And then I looked at how many monthly shows there are. Because in my mind, if you haven't posted in the last month, you're probably not really an active podcast. So I took 32 days, and there's only 14% of the total. So that's 330,000 podcasts that post in the last 32 days. Now, to me, that's, that's really interesting. And so when I looked at that, how many active shows now are there with more than 10 episodes? I found that there's only 100 and, 146,000. So 6% of the total have actually posted more than, than 10 episodes. And I say all that just to say that when people talk about how saturated podcasting is, in my mind, if there's only 146,000 podcasts that are actually producing episodes that have more than 10 episodes, that's not really that saturated at this point, I don't think. It's insightful, Alex, because we've chosen here at Franklin Covey to have a weekly cadence. We've been robustly debating it. Brandon Stone, one of our producers, and I have gone back and forth every few quarters. Should it be episodic? Should it be a series? Should we have breaks in between? And neither of us are right or wrong. We've chosen to continue to, to have ours come out every week, like clockwork, every Tuesday morning at 6 o'clock Eastern time it comes out. We're launching a new second podcast in 2022 called C-Suite Conversations with Scott Miller. I'll interview C-Suite employees, officers aimed at C-Suite. It'll also be weekly. Do you, do you have any advice if someone has a podcast or is thinking of reigniting theirs or starting one, does your experience, literally as one of the world's foremost thought leaders on podcasting, is there a secret sauce? Is a cadence important? Do people expect it to come out? Is it you know, a nine-set episode to take a break for a few weeks? What's the formula you're seeing the most successful? So what you guys are doing right now is what I find to be the most successful. Once a week is really kind of ideal. When you look at the statistics, you find a huge spike in the amount of people who listen to very consistent weekly shows that don't take breaks. Now, when I say don't take breaks, I myself have taken the last two weeks off every year. But I say that in the episode before I go on break. I say, hey, we're going on Christmas break. We'll be back after the new year. Yeah. That type of thing I think is okay to do. But if you're saying, hey, here's nine episodes, we're going to take a quarter off, and then we're going to come back. I don't believe that works as well because what happens is the average person who's actually listening to podcasts, they have seven different shows in their queue. If your show's not producing, there's a pretty good chance they might leave that show, find another one that's active, and forget to come back. You know, if they say, oh, I want to come back in nine weeks when they bring the show back because that's what they said they would do, it's really far-fetched to think that somebody's actually going to remember that. In my mind, consistency always wins. If you can keep a consistent weekly show happening, it's continuously driving value, right? That's really important. Then I, I think that that's the biggest win. The stats actually show that that is the case. If you're able to do that and stay consistent with it, you'll continue to grow listenership over time. It kind of proves the principle of, you know, hard work wins out because I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's a daunting burden. I mean, I'm pointing off camera. We have a we have a, a production crew that has another full-time job. This is like a side hustle within their full-time job, right? So for all of us to book the guest, read the books, make sure we have the questions done, schedule the time, the studio, it, it's a lot of work, but I think it has paid off. We are now approaching our 200th episode without ever missing a beat, right? There's been no repeats, and I am proud of that. L let's pivot to the genre. I, I've heard recently that, you know, sort of detective series and science fiction is doing well. Are there some clear breakout genres of podcasts that are, that are worthy of consideration? I mean, again, Pfizer, Marriott, Ford, they're not going to do a fiction podcast. But is there anything that is helpful to know for those in the that are in organizations on what to learn from the breakout genres? Yeah, so I actually pulled the stats on this. I'm going to go with the top 10 most popular genres in podcasting. This is where the listenership is. This is where the most shows are. This is like a combination of all those things. And I'll just go in order. The first one is education. So anything that's self-improvement related is the number one spot 
in podcasting, which has not always been the case, but we did find, again, I don't, I don't mean to keep on bringing up COVID, but when that, when that shift happened, a lot more people went to self-educating and self-improving themselves. I will say it's a very competitive space, but it's a good one to be in. The next is society and culture with an emphasis on relationships. So not just like what's happening around us, but more so how do you develop your relationships? A good space if you are an expert in that space. Don't just get in there to have like dating horror stories or something like that, right? Like that's probably not a good idea. Uh, number three is arts, specifically with books. So people are doing like book reviews and things like that. Uh, some organizations seem to really do well in there if they're trying to sell books or anything like that. That works really well. Uh, number four is religion and spirituality. Uh, Christianity being like the, the biggest in the mix there. Uh, a good space to be in. Uh, business, number five. This is like the sweet spot, I think. So business, entrepreneurship, careers, marketing, branding, uh, where both of our shows happen to be, I believe. Yeah. That's to me like the really sweet spot. That's the fifth on the list. Uh, good place to be. Number six is comedy. Uh, I don't necessarily think that comedy is a good place to jump into because a lot of people listen to the big shows. I mean, they want to listen to Comedy Central shows, and they have a few, right? They have a few of them, and then there's the other comedy uh, networks and things like that. They really, I think, own the space. It's driving most of the listenership. So you have to be careful with something like that because it's it's competitive, and people want to hear something that's highly produced and hilarious, right? Uh, next, number seven is health and fitness. And I like, I like this space as well because any, anyone can really talk about like mental health, about how they're, they're losing weight, or for, for me, like trying to put on a little bit of weight, extra muscle, right? It's a good spot to be in. Uh, I like that one as well. Number eight is leisure. And I'm looking at my list here, and I actually wrote a note here. I do not recommend this category. I think that we're going to see it drop off because leisure seems to be the random podcasts that are like the show for everything, the show for everybody. Those type of shows are not doing well anymore because people are really looking for something specific. They're working for something that's going to help them exactly where they are in their moment of life. So I'm finding the leisure ones are dropping off quite a bit. And the next two are music and news, which I don't touch these at all. I don't know if, if anyone else should. Like Obviously, news is pretty high up because the big networks kind of own the space. So And then music, I don't know enough about to comment on it. But those are kind of the top yeah. 10. Uh, for me, education being the biggest one, once again, uh, is a good place to be. But also number five, business, entrepreneurship, careers. That's a really good spot to be right now. I would say we're a combination of those. The Franklin Covey on Leadership podcast is both education, business, and leadership. Alex, let's pivot to uh, the technical side. So what percentage of podcasts are audio only or audio and video? We know that we tend to have about a 10 to 1 ratio. For every 10 audio listeners, there's one video listener. But you know, ours being the largest leadership podcast globally, we have you know, a lot of video listeners, and we, of course, use that video for clips right on different websites and social media. What would you say in terms of the value or perhaps the downside of having both an audio and video podcast? So first off, I think, Scott, you've got some good stats there. I think that the average, and this was really hard to find, is probably more like 1 in 20. So 1 in 20 will watch the video, and the other 19 are going to listen to the podcast. And that, that's kind of what we're seeing. We have seen more and more of a shift as people are working from home. They might now have on their screen, like right in front of them, they might have their work and their video watching something, which I don't know if that's a good idea from a productivity standpoint. Uh, but we are seeing a little bit more of that shift happen. Personally, I like the idea of having both because people who do watch the video, they're very engaged. If you're just listening, you might be cleaning the house as well. You might miss something. But if you're watching it, you're probably going to look up resources in real time if you're watching it like on a computer or if it's on your phone. You're going to be a little bit more engaged with it. So personally, I like having both. I think that you all are doing a really smart way. And one in 10, that's a pretty good number for you right now. 
But I don't want the 1 in 20 to scare people off. I still think it's a good investment because it's very easy to convert a video into audio. So you might as well have this extra layer, even if it's not as highly produced as what we're doing here today. It still can add some value, and you can throw it on YouTube and things like that. Alex, what's the, what's the sweet spot in terms of length? You know, our, our interviews usually go somewhere between 35 and 45 minutes. We typically see a pretty significant drop-off just right at the 30 minute spot or so. Any, any advice you would give podcast prospectees or host on kind of you know, always be land at exactly 32 minutes and four seconds? What would you say there? If you can do that every time and it's good, I would be curious <laughs> to hear that. Um, that's not the advice I necessarily give. The average podcast episode from according to Buzzsprout is 38 minutes long. I personally have found that that's too long for my audience. It's going to be a little bit different for everybody, but I, I do think overall it's too long. It was actually convinced and report and convert. Sorry, convince and convert. They did a report where they actually polled a few thousand podcast listeners to find out if what they thought about podcast episode length. And over 50% of them said that podcast episodes are too long. And when I heard that, I went back to my show and I realized I was I was averaging about 45 to 50 minutes. So I just kind of like Google a little bit of like a little bit of research on like uh, how to look at my stats. Turns out Apple will show you the drop off rate. So I could see okay when do people stop listening. So I started just tracking that really closely. And I was like, okay, about 35 minutes, people really drop off. Let me try making my episodes 30 minutes and see what happens. I went from a 60% completion rate to a 95% completion rate by doing that. So it's going to be a little bit different for each show, but what's important is that you really dive into it. But I do believe that a sweet spot is between maybe 30 and 35 minutes or between 30 and 40 minutes, again, depending on the audience. And if you're doing some sort of audio drama, people will listen longer if you're doing something that's like news related, they probably want shorter. So it's going to be a lot of like just figuring it out. But I highly recommend diving those analytics to figure out where your sweet spot is. But once again, between 30 and 40 minutes, probably closer to 30 to 35 minutes, I think is really the spot where we're seeing uh, the most traction right now. Independent of length and genre, what are the top four, five, six features of a great podcast? Meaning it's growing. It's serving the host well in terms of whatever their intentions are. We'll talk about why to have a podcast in a moment. It's getting re-engagement. It's being shared. It's being reviewed. It's ranked. It's rated. What would you say are the top reasons that make a great podcast? So as we both know, everything has to begin with why. There has to be a really good why behind the show, and it has to be transmitted throughout the actual show. So when there's an episode, it has to reinforce that why and remind the listener that this is a good show for them. Additionally, I don't see very often shows getting shared that have like a really weird title or just kind of like a catchy title or really bad cover art. Usually people want to share something because they're proud of it. They felt like they learned something first and foremost, but also they're not like sharing something that's like, ugh, I wish it didn't have that picture on it, right? It looks good. Somebody clearly put a time investment into making sure that this was something that's truly shareable by other people and, of course, impactful. Those are really the biggest things I'm seeing right now when somebody's willing to do that. And so to simply put it, like, make sure your podcast has good cover art is really important. Make sure the title is about what it's about. Have a good description and then make your episodes actually have a compelling title of some sort. And the content really just reinforces the value that you promised would be added and do so in a way that people feel they can share it. So I also have to be careful, like, what's being said. Like, if I'm the host and I consistently throw out some unpopular opinions about, like, some political things happening – even if the meat of the episode is really good, people aren't going to share it because it's like, man, if Alex's two-minute rant wasn't in there, I could have shared that, but yeah. I can't align with that. Yeah. You have to be really careful. Once again, keep it focused on what the episode's supposed to be about and the value, the why that it's helping somebody with. 
Alex, I'm delighted you joined us today. You're adding enormous value. Let me go back and revisit something you said. You called it cover art. I'm guessing what you're talking about is, is that the cover of a book is just as important as the cover of a podcast. Talk about the value of what that little one inch by one inch or however someone sees that. Why is it so important the cover art is related to someone sharing it? Yeah, so because, again, we find that people want to share things that they, that they like, right? And they, we live in a world today where people like the way certain things look. If you've got your whole bio in this little one-by-one image, as we're calling it, right, that, that's the actual picture of your podcast, right? If it's just a giant sentence in there people can't read, people are less likely to share it. If it's a picture that you took that's like you had a camera, it's like a selfie of you, nobody wants to necessarily have that on their feed, on their social media, right? That's a little bit weird for people to share. They, they're kind of more hesitant. But if it's really focused on exactly what it's about, like, like I'll use your podcast example, Scott, on leadership. I mean, it is right there. It has the Franklin Covey name under it. It's clear. Anyone would like to share that. If they're talking about leadership or they're interested in leadership, sharing that gives them more clout as well. It shows that, wow, they're, they're talking about leadership. Ooh, Franklin Covey. You know, I, I know that, that organization. People see that, and it has a, a little bit more authority. So people are interested in actually clicking that and hearing more about it. If it was a picture of you and your kids skiing, which I'm sure this time, of, you know, at some point, I know you always get out there and try to do that, right? Um, I, I think that people would be like, okay, what is this? Like, why, who's this guy with his kids? With, is, is this really about leadership, right? So you have to be very careful with that. And we find works really well is to have just the main point of it. Like, it doesn't even necessarily need to be the full title, but just like, like you guys have, on leadership. I think that's a great thing because it's clear. People can see it even if it's really small on a phone. And that really seems to help a lot. Alex, we hear this adage that people come for the guest, but they stay for the host. I'm now in my 200th episode of this podcast, approaching it very closely with our production team. Before that, I hosted a, a radio program on iHeartRadio for a year. And, you know, lots of, lots of uh, feedback. No shortage of comments on my hosting style. Mostly vitriolic in the beginning, and they became a little more charitable. Scott, you talk too much. Scott, you don't talk enough. Scott, it's all about you. Scott, we want to hear more about you. I mean, it literally was, you know, a dozen of both every single day, and I kind of had to go with my gut. What would you say is the role the host should play in a podcast, and is an interview series better than not? Riff on that. So it really depends, once again, on the why, the focus. I know some people have done really well with solo episodes, so it's just them talking, but they're usually a true expert in the space, and they got really good at keeping the episodes like 10 to 12 minutes. If you can do that, it'll hold people's interest. If you're talking by yourself for 45 minutes, Scott, I, I love you, man, but like, listen, if you're going to talk for 45 minutes and it's just you, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be able to sit through that. You're That's out. a lot, right? Yeah. So it's got to be shorter and be very topical that, again, is, is furthering that why if you're doing individual. I like, I like interviews because it mixes it up. It gives my audience a chance to learn who I am over time versus just one episode where they get to know me fully. So like you're saying, yes, people continue to come back because they like the host. They like the way the host interviews. They like the little interjection of who the host is and, and where they're kind of taking the audience and what they're learning in their own journey. Interjecting, that's really important. And then you also mentioned like the, the feedback. You've got 10 people saying, for me, Alex, you talk too fast. Other people saying you talk too slow. You do this too much. You don't do this enough. The episode should be longer. They should be shorter. Hearing all those things is, is a lot. And the solution I came up with for this was actually to have an avatar for my show, which simply means a fictitious ideal listener. I made up a character. I call him Adam. I can tell you everything about Adam, when he goes to work, when he comes home, when he starts working on a side hustle that he wants to become his full-time career, how he spends time with his wife, how he listens to these podcast episodes in the gym, 
I know all those things, so I have to ask myself, I'm getting this feedback, I always have to remind myself, would Adam agree with this feedback? Would Adam want the episodes to be 10 minutes longer per episode so I can dive deeper? No, Adam doesn't have time. He's working on his side hustle. He needs to be short, concise, and straight to the meat. So being able to do that and have that avatar that, again, connects directly to your why is a very helpful way to evaluate the feedback that you're getting to know if it's actually valid and the right direction you want to go in. And the last thing I'll say on this, Scott, is that you have to know yourself. I mean, we're talking, you know, on leadership is the name of this, right? Like you have to know how to lead yourself and know who you are. You can't become somebody other than yourself. And if certain people are just saying, oh, I really don't like this about you, then they need to go find another podcast to listen to. There, there's plenty of them, right? Uh, maybe not plenty, but there's some out there. They need to make sure that they're finding someone that they can relate to, but you have to stay true to who you are and the direction that you know you can take the audience in to help them consistently grow over time. I think that is superb advice. When the, in the beginning of this podcast three years ago, I mean, literally, you know, almost 300 episodes ago, uh, more than three years ago, there was so much feedback coming in, mainly from all the Franklin Covey thousands of associates, right? We have a podcast and Scott's hosting it and it was all over the place. Some of it was less charitable, others of it was quite charitable. And Todd Music, who was our first executive producer, who's kind of one of those EF Huttons, right? He's just very wise and calm and quiet. He simply said, let Scott Miller be Scott Miller because you're gonna get who you get and if someone doesn't like it, you're right, they can go to perhaps some other podcast. Um, Alex, uh, let's go deeper on the technical side. For those potential podcast hosts who were you know, 20 minutes ago thinking it was saturated, I'm not gonna do it, now they think, no, 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 there's a great opportunity. Let's talk about the technical side, the, the microphone, that I see you're wearing ear, you know, ear, earbuds. For, what would you say is the podcast kit? I mean, do you have to spend $20,000? Can you spend $400? What, what is the kind of checklist of getting started on your podcast? Yeah, this is a great conversation that many people want to skip because we've all got laptops these days. They have a built-in mic and a built-in camera. And everyone just assumes that, oh, that's good enough. That's going to work. I do not agree with that. This is a conversation, Scott, that you brought up that we have to have. And uh, one, one piece of in information that I missed out on, I meant to share earlier, is that podcast listenership is growing faster than the number of shows. In the last three years, listenership in the U.S. and Canada is up by almost 50%. So we're watching shows grow at a slow pace and listenership grow faster. The opportunity is there, and that's why your actual kit that you're using when podcasting really matters because people are listening to podcasts that, that sound good. They don't need to be produced like an NPR or Wandery, which are the big networks in podcasting, but they need to sound good. It can't sound like you're, you're outside like mowing the lawn and trying to record a podcast episode, right? You can't do that. So yeah, there are some ideal things with podcasting. I'll tell you right now, where I'm recording this is my in-home studio. I personally, me and my wife, we love condo living. It's very, there's not much for us to do outside of our walls, right? Like we enjoy that, but you have shared walls. So it was like, how do I build an in-home studio that's also an office because we don't have a ton of space. I built this whole thing that I'm in that converts into an office. This behind me rolls up. I've got my whiteboards. I have a couch in here. Like it's a nice office and a nice studio. The whole thing was done for under $1,000. And you don't even need to spend close to that. If you just get a mic like this, this mic actually, like if I step away, which I don't want to mess it up for the audio listeners, but if I step away a little bit, you can almost not hear me at all. My wife can be like watching TV in the other room or listening to music and no one would be able to tell. This mic, I, I believe, was just over $200. And that, that's, a, that's a, considered like a, a nice top end mic. And then I'm using a 4K Logitech camera. And it's just a webcam. It literally, both these things plug directly into my laptop. There's no other like box anywhere or mixer or anything like that. And it works really well. These two things, it was a total investment of right around $400. And I'm telling you, whether you're going to be a guest on podcast or you're looking to start your own, making this investment up front is worth its weight in gold. And one little more piece of like 
little information here for you. If you decide, you know what, I hate this, I'm not going to do it, you can sell both these things like on a Facebook marketplace for about what you paid for it without any problem. So don't feel like you're going to get stuck with this equipment forever if you just decide you don't want to do it. But invest in yourself up front. These are two things I recommend to everybody to, to go out there and get. Alex, let's talk about Podmatch. Uh, Franklin Covey is a client of Podmatch. We have the majority of our 25 thought leaders that are subscribers because we want to make sure that our thought leadership reaches the right and the, the, the breadth and, and, and reach of as, as many of the right podcasts as possible. It's one of the complementary strategies we have behind, besides keynoting and writing books and blogging and columns and so forth. Talk about why you created Podmatch and what is it like for someone who has a podcast and they're looking for guests and perhaps someone who is a, a thought leader or an entrepreneur and they're looking to be on podcast? Talk about the, the, uh, the mechanics of Podmatch. Yeah, sure thing. First off, the reason that I created it was when I started my podcast, I did have an initial network, which I was thankful for. I knew people throughout aerospace and things like that. So the first 13 episodes of my podcast came really easy. So I was excited to get into podcasting. After that... I asked one of those people to come back, and then I asked another <laughs> one to come back. And then I was like, you know what? I don't actually have a network here, so let me go to LinkedIn. I did some outreach. I think, Scott, I reached out to about 200 people, and I heard back from one, and that one person said, leave me alone, never talk to me again. Wow. I think it's about as far as I got. So I realized that I had a struggle at this point. Like I had to really work an uphill battle to be able to find guests for my show. Eventually, I got out of that. My show grew very, very well. I was very happy with the growth of it, and then I started having people ask to be on the show, which was great. But I always, in the back of my mind, remembered, well, what about everybody else who maybe didn't see the immediate success that I saw or didn't even have the network I have? What about those people? And I actually spoke at a podcasting conference about 2,000 people, and I took that time to validate that this issue existed. After I got off stage, regardless of your good or bad speaker, people line up just to say thank you or whatever they say, right? And I asked every single one of them what they were struggling with. And 100 people, it was actually 100 people, said the exact same thing. I'm having trouble finding ideal guests for my show. I went home with that idea and just was thinking, like, what if we had, like, an online dating-style app that could connect guests and hosts together? And that's exactly the idea for Podmatch, and that's the problem that it's solving, is to help podcast hosts and guests find each other for those interviews. So for a podcast host, the reason it's so important to have something like this is, think about it, Scott, like, nobody listening to this show cares about how long it took you to find me or to get your last guest. Like, nobody really cares about that. Like, you could tell them, be like, oh, it took me six hours to finally convince this person to be on the show, but that doesn't matter. Then what matters to them is the content. The idea is, can we help a podcast host find that ideal guest faster, confirm that they want to be there, simplify the whole process so they can get it out in front of their audience, because that's what the audience is there for. That's what they care about. So they can focus more on producing a great episode than having to do all the administrative searching behind the scenes. And then on the flip side, if you're the guest, so many guests these days have amazing stories, amazing messages to share. I mean, I could speak for hours about just like, like tearjerker stories I've heard of like turning a business around or growing a business because that's the space that I'm in that are just like incredible. And many of these guests, they just don't know where to reach out to, to host. So they do the same thing. They try the LinkedIn's, the Facebook, the, the social media grind, right? But we basically built a way they can say, here is my story. Here's what I talk about. Here's what you can ask me. And so many hosts are just starting to reach out saying, hey, I love that. Can you share that with my audience? So it's been like really just a magical connection to help these independent business owners and just independent authors really to get their voices out to the world. And it's been an amazing thing, really just humbling for me to be part of. We're coming up on the sweet spot of 34 or so minutes. I cannot recommend Podmatch enough. Franklin Covey is a great user of it across, like I said, 25 plus of our authors. Uh, Podmatch.com. 
Alex, talk about the reason to have a podcast. If, we, if we've got, which we do, you know, millions of chief learning officers, chief talent officers, CEOs, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, listening and seeing this podcast around the world right now, you know, a massive audience of people that are interested in podcasting, what are some of the best ways to produce a podcast, to monetize a podcast? Should you monetize it? You know, is it just enough to have a podcast if you own a cafe or you're a caterer or perhaps you own a boutique hotel and you're talking about customer service? Are there some lessons that you've learned from your hundreds of episodes and the thousands of subscribers to Podmatch? You'd say, you know, keep these things in mind as you're thinking about your why and how to convert that to whatever your end in mind is, whether it's pipeline for your business, whether it's sales for your book, whether it's just a philanthropic podcast to give back. What are some of the lessons you've learned that everybody needs to know? Yeah, first and foremost, everyone already heard us talk about the statistics of people like not keeping a podcast going. So the first thing I would say is maybe you don't need a podcast. Maybe you just need to be a guest on podcast. You can still add value in that way. It's, it's a big, I just basically call it like a labor of love to be a podcast host. So think about it. Is that really what you want to do? Is that really what's best for your brand? Or is it better for you to be on the other side of the mic, the guest? Those are something to keep in mind. But if we are going to talk about the actual person saying, you know what, I do want to start a podcast or my brand, my company needs a podcast, then great. Let's talk about some ways to do that really well. The first thing, like we're saying, we start with why we have to have a very narrow niche. So you don't want just to be like a super general podcast. An example of this, I see a lot of just marketing podcasts and some people even use that name, best marketing podcast. That's a really generic keyword there that people are trying to rank for they're trying to bring people for what you want to do is get very specific to what you do. So Scott, you mentioned like a boutique hotel. So if it's like marketing tactics for boutique hotels, that's a great focus. That's really good. Now you're not going to get 10 million people listening to the show, but then the day, if you can find the few hundred or few thousand people that need that content, you're going to do really well in that space, serving those people. And I think that so many of us, we need to stop thinking about the big top line number that social media has this condition to go and to long for. And we have to start thinking about, the level of impact we want to have. A great example of this that I'll share, and I'll kind of move on from this point, was recently I met a lady who had a, she has a bird watching podcast, bird watching audio only podcast. And I was like, I had just asked her, I'm like, does, does that do okay? She's like, oh yeah, I have like this many listeners and it, it's like a huge podcast. And I was shocked. I listened to it and it's just people telling bird story, like stories of birds, I guess, right? Like they were, they were out like on this adventure and they saw this bird, which apparently you never see in that space. It was actually super interesting. I'm not like a bird watching guy. But here's the thing. She probably had the had capped the amount of listeners she'll ever get, a few thousand people. But to monetize that and to turn that into a business, all she had to do was say, here's a bird watching kit. You can go to my website and buy it. Or guess what? We're doing a bird watching tour together. We're going to go through through like North Florida and see what kind of birds we can find. If she's doing stuff like that, she's monetizing better than somebody with 10 or 20,000 people listening to the podcast every month who's just doing advertising. She's going to make a lot more money. So I, I say all that just to make sure people get the right perspective of why you want to podcast. Ultimately, you want to think of your ideal client, ideal customer, ideal person you're looking to impact, and you want to establish no like, and trust with that individual. No like, and trust. So when you develop that avatar around your podcast, you have that niche focus, you want, to know that they, you want them to know, you want, I, can, I can trust this person. I want to be involved with what they're doing. That is a super helpful thing right there. And one more quick story, Scott, I'll turn it back over to you. I was recently wanting to get into some SMS marketing, which basically means like text message marketing, right? I wanted to actually start doing that. I found three companies, three websites, and I decided to go into their education side because I want to see, or any of them are going to be devoted to helping me. 
I found one of the three had a podcast, and they were diving deep on how to succeed in SMS marketing, some good tactics for growth, how to get people engaged, how to get responses, and it was brilliant. Like, the show wasn't super highly produced, but I, I learned to know, like, and trust that company, so that's the one I bought. And here's the thing. I actually went back to check. They were the most expensive of the three options, but I went with them because they were devoted to my education through podcasting, which is the way I like to learn. And that, to me, is a really a good tell of how to have a good focused podcast is to follow those few steps I just shared. Alex, I'm obviously mindful. When I say mindful, I mean haunted by the clock because we've gone over what we agreed the sweet spot was. You use the term, you know, highly produced. Are the best podcasts those that take breaks in between and they have perhaps a sponsor or an advertisement? Should someone just tape it for 32 minutes straight? Obviously, it's situational. Any advice you would shed on that if someone's thinking about changing up their podcast or they're launching a podcast? Yeah, so for me, I like having something in the middle to break it up. But the way I break it up is just the way I've been able to grow my podcast. I literally say, if you're enjoying this episode, will you please share it with somebody you know who would also add value to or someone that you know that would really enjoy this episode? That's how I'm growing the show. Thank you so much, everybody. I do a short about 20-second break just to like give people a mental break on what they're hearing because like when Scott Miller's on the podcast, it's a lot of information really fast. Yeah. Having that little break in the middle seems to help people quite a yeah. bit. Yeah. So I, I do break it up just a little bit. I don't think it needs to be some ad. I do think it should always be the host reading it if you do an ad. But I I don't think you necessarily have to go straight through. You can find ways to kind of mix it up a little bit. Alex, let's land the plane. There are some other things you have learned that I've not asked you about. Anything else you'd like to share with the audience that would be helpful for them to know wherever they are on their own podcasting journey? Probably on Podmatch right now looking out the site. But uh, what else do you got? What else do you have? Yeah, I think that's something we always have to remember is to keep the audience in mind. That's always the most important thing. So we don't want to overly think about the, the production, like I said, of it. So we don't want to just focus on having like the most highly produced podcast. Like it doesn't need to be on NPR's level. As a matter of fact, we've found more recently since COVID, people like sometimes hearing a dog in the background or a baby in the background because it makes them feel like they're in a community that maybe they're more isolated than they've ever been in their lives. It actually helps a little bit. So you want to keep that audience in mind and not focus so much on the production or on the business that's behind it. At the end of the day, there's something I always like to say that what we do for ourselves dies with us, but what we do for others echoes into eternity. You want to think about how you're going to be able to add value with what you're doing. You want to be that person of value, not that person of profit. And I always find the profit follows. Podcasting is made to be educational. It's made to serve and to help other people. And if you can keep that mindset right in podcasting, it's really hard to lose as long as you do so in a strategic, focused, consistent way. Alex, what's going to displace podcasting? As you, as you, an entrepreneur and a podcast host and the owner of this massive matching service, Podmatch, what do you think the future looks like? What's on the horizon that you're interested in, worried about, or watching closely? So a lot of people talked about like Fireside and Clubhouse and those type of things. And I jumped on them but realized right away it wouldn't be the long-term solution. It worked well for the time those were in. When I am looking at podcasting and seeing it evolve, I'm going to see more people going to video podcasts. And I think that you're really at the front end of that, Scott. You and, and on leadership are doing a good job with that. I think that more people are going to do things like that. But also, I think the content will consistently get shorter and be even more specific because people are interested in learning things. It's actually, there's a stat that three out of four people who listen to podcasts listen to learn something new. So I'm seeing that maybe it's going to get even more focused where it's like, this episode is about teaching you how to make a great Facebook advertisement. And it's 10 to 15 minutes about that specifically. So we might start seeing more episodes, but more specific episodes. 
And the reason I say that is because the search algorithms in Apple Podcasts and Spotify and these other listening apps are getting pretty intelligent. Like they're not quite at the Google and Bing level yet, but they're getting more intelligent where you can search anything in these apps and you can actually find episodes that are specifically about that. So I'm starting to see more of a turn toward, hey, it's going to get shorter. It's going to get more specific so people can hear what they want and then they can kind of move on to the next topic that they're interested in. Alex, far-reaching, far-ranging conversation today. I'm delighted that you chose to join us. You know, Franklin Covey's On Leadership podcast is about leadership. We are a leadership development firm. We talk about marketing. We talk about branding, messaging. We talk with victims and survivors of horrible tragedies and how they turned their life around. We talk today about podcasting because we are a thought leadership company, right? We're in the intellectual property business, and I very much believe that one of the ways that thought leadership is going to help not just our firm grow our brand, grow our influence, help our clients, but it can literally help any business. I think plumbers can have a podcast if it's produced properly, like you say. I think dog walkers, any, any entrepreneur could have a podcast if they follow some of your key principles. This is a podcast that people will re-listen to to tease out some of the big ideas, your cover art, how you're producing it, what is your why, who is your avatar, what is the length, the break in between, what is the role of a host, how to find guests. Alex, thanks for your abundance today. You are, in my estimation, the world's foremost thought leader on all things podcasting, as evidenced by you being the founder of Podmatch. We're delighted you're here. Look forward to coming back onto your podcast in the future. Thank you again, Alex San Filippo. Scott, thank you so much. Absolutely an honor to be here, and thank you everyone for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. I can assure you this is going to be one of those podcasts that gets the most repeat listens to, especially perhaps if you already have a podcast and you want to just kind of revisit some of the key principles that Alex has talked about. Visit podmatch.com to learn more about what that service can do for you and your reach, whether you're on the hosting side or on the interviewing side, interviewee side. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you back here next week for a new episode on leadership.